Welcome to the Saxon Psychology Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Justin Lee Miller. I am a social psychologist and research fellow at the Kinsey Institute and author of the book, Tell Me What You Want, The Science of Sexual Desire and How It Can Help You Improve Your Sex Life. One of the keys to having truly great sex is approaching it with the right mindset. However, this isn't something that we're usually taught in sex education, which tends to focus more on the physiology of sex rather than the psychology behind it. If you're young and have raging hormones, or if you're just in the early stages of passion in a relationship, sex may come easier to you because you're just pretty horny. But outside of those times, we often really need to pay attention to the psychological side of sex in order to not just feel desire for it, but also to really, truly experience pleasure. So that's what this episode is all about. It's a compilation of some of my favorite sex tips discussed on the show for changing your sexual mindset. We're going to talk about the importance of expanding your idea of what sex is, why it's important to make sex a multi-sensory experience, how to feel more comfortable and confident in your own skin, how to be in the moment during sex, as well as why we should stop looking at sex as a goal-oriented activity and instead just relax and have fun. There is something for everyone in this episode, no matter your gender, sexual orientation, age, or relationship status. So let's explore some of my favorite tips for having the best sex ever. Stick around and we're going to jump in right after the break. Get fit and stay firm with FirmTech. Their performance ring is designed to boost your sexual stamina and give you harder, longer lasting erections while also enhancing pleasure for both the wearer and their partner. Their tech ring has the added benefit of tracking your erectile health when synced with FirmTech's free mobile app, which monitors changes in erection duration, hardness, and more. Take control of your sexual health while increasing sexual performance and satisfaction at the same time. To learn more, check the show notes or visit myfirmtech.com and be sure to use my exclusive discount code, Justin20, to save 20% off your purchase. Again, that's myfirmtech.com. Applications are now open for a new continuing medical education course from the Kinsey Institute at Indiana University. The course is titled Gender, Sexuality, and Medicine, an Introduction to LGBTQ Plus Competent Care, and it will be held this fall. Both online and in-person attendance options are available. This course is intended for health professionals, and it offers continuing education credits. Please visit kinseyinstitute.org for more information and to register. For our first sex tip, we're going to revisit episode 86, where I spoke with sex educator Joan Price, author of the fantastic book, Naked at Our Age. Let's listen in as Joan and I talk about the importance of being flexible and adaptable in the bedroom, and why sticking to rigid, narrow definitions of sex can limit sexual pleasure. In what ways can sex actually become better as we age? So how can you be having the best sex of your life later in life? One of the most important ways is communication skills. Often when we get to the age of 60, 70 and beyond, we've learned to communicate. Not always. I hear from seniors who say, I don't know how to talk about sex with my partner. But by and large, the more we accumulate years of experience and decades of relationships, we do learn to be a little clearer about what we like, what isn't on the table for us now, what we'd like to see change. That's one real important bit of this. Another important bit of this, equally important, is that we expand our notion of what great sex is to involve many ways that are not necessarily just 
PIV, penis and vagina, penetrative sex of any kind, that we may acknowledge that erections are no longer dependable. Okay, let's not put the goal on having a rock hard erection. What else can we do? How can we explore sensation? How can I please you? How can you please me? And the same thing, if vaginas are not lubricating, well, that's really not a problem because there are the most wonderful lubricants specifically for sex that enhance pleasure. They do at any age, really, but they're a necessity for us. And besides that, if, if we're having discomfort with penetration, or maybe penetrative sex just isn't our favorite thing to do. We say, yeah, okay, we could do that, but that's just one of the options. What do you feel like today? And maybe what I feel like today is your hand plus this vibrator. Yeah, no, absolutely. I love everything that you said there. And I think that's such important and, and useful information. And I think it really flips the script on how we think about sex and aging. You know, for a lot of people, the idea of having sex as they get older might be something that they dread, but instead it's something you can look forward to because there are all of these new options that get added to the menu that can make sex more satisfying than ever. But we have to learn to do that because I hear more than anything else I hear from seniors, the old ways don't work the way they used to anymore. And so is sex over or my spouse has decided sex is over, but I'm not done with it. I mean, there are some very, very real issues. And so when people ask me, what do, what do you do, Joan? I say, I talk out loud about senior sex. And that's really what we need to start doing is instead of shoving it under the table, under the bed, under the covers, in the closet, we need to just talk out loud to our doctors, to our dates, potential partners, partners, friends. We need to not go along with society's idea, here's my soapbox, that sex is either over or icky if it's not over. No, it's glorious. Yes, these bodies may be saggy and baggy. And I mean, I like to joke that even my wrinkles have wrinkles, but that doesn't mean that my body is not capable of giving me extraordinary pleasure and that I am not capable of giving a partner extraordinary pleasure through communication, through trying new things, through exploring, through keeping an open mind, and through definitely learning to communicate about sex with a partner. Yeah. Everything you're saying, I think, is so important for everybody at any age. Well, that's the thing. I call young people seniors in training, because if you're lucky, you'll get old. And the more you can start employing these ideas of expanding sex and talking about it, the better sex you'll have right now, not just when you get to be my age, if you're so lucky. Yeah. So maybe one of the keys for better sex is to think more like a senior, right? Yes. And at any age, yes, you can have better sex. For our second sex tip, we're going to revisit episode 67, where I spoke with Dr. Jessica O'Reilly host of the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Let's listen in as Jess and I talk about why it's important to tap into all of your senses during sex and how you can feel more comfortable and confident being vocal in the bedroom. 
Research finds that people who make the most noise in bed tend to be the most sexually satisfied, in part because sexual noises convey what you like and what feels good so that you can get more of what you want. They also are a way that we can express appreciation for a job well done, right? So it's a form of positive reinforcement. However, a lot of people struggle with vocalizing during sex. You know, it just doesn't come naturally to them. So if you're not used to making noises in bed, how can you get more comfortable with, say, things like moaning or groaning or heavy breathing and, you know, doing this in a way that doesn't feel forced? Uh, that's a great question. So I think the best way you can become comfortable with any sexual act or experience or expression is to do it on your own first. And so I'll tell people to, you know, make a little bit more noise as you masturbate. Uh, maybe tune in to the sounds all around you, from your sounds to the background sounds to the music. Uh, speaking of music, sometimes just playing really loud music can help you to vocalize because you don't feel as self-conscious. It's like when you walk into a room and there's crickets versus you walk into a room and there's music playing. There's a totally different vibe, a totally different energy. You become less self-conscious about the way you look, about the way you feel, about the way you sound. So masturbate more, let those sounds flow freely, even consider exaggerating your sounds while you masturbate a couple of times to see what that's like. We have some research suggesting that folks who are deaf make very different sounds, copulatory vocalizations, as we call them, than mm -hmm. folks who are hearing because they haven't been socialized to be told, okay, here are the appropriate sounds according to your gender identity, according to your sexual orientation, according to the type of sex you're having. And so I'm always reminded that I feel very relaxed in bed. I feel as though I, you know, have the latitude to really express myself, but I still am probably subconsciously adjusting my sounds to make them sound probably more feminine, right? Maybe I feel like letting out like a uh, grunt, but I might adjust it into a, uh, because that's what I've been socialized to believe is acceptable. So the place where I'm going to feel less self-conscious, the least self-conscious is when I'm masturbating. So practice during solo sex, making more noise. When you're with a partner, put your face in the pillow. Uh, if you're brand new to making sounds, right? And let those sounds emanate freely. Play loud music, as I mentioned. The more sounds you make, the more likely your partner is to make sounds. Praise your partner for their sounds. Let them know how much you like it. You know, in my work, I have a, a book co-written by Marla Renee Stewart. I have to plug it because this is actually her framework. And the book is called The Ultimate Guide to Seduction and Foreplay. And one of the framework from which we begin in this book has to do with how your learning style affects your seduction or sexual or erotic style. So if you are an auditory learner, then sounds are going to be really important to your arousal and pleasure. If you are a more kinesthetic or physical learner, it might be more related to touch. And if you're more visual, of course, it's what you see. Now, none of us fits into neatly compartmentalized boxes. It's all, you know, there's going to be overflow. I can tell you personally, I'm an auditory person. I am so attracted to voices as opposed to the way people look. And so I need to convey that to my partner because my partner might have been socialized to muffle their sounds during bed. So really spread the love, spread the compliments. If you don't feel comfortable making sounds in bed or talking dirty in bed, start with just one sound at a time. And, and another great way to really put this into practice is when you're eating. So Western culture dictates that we must eat quietly with our mouths full. Well, some of us are from other cultures where if somebody eats quietly with their mouth closed, I'm worried they don't even like their food. Mm -hmm. So 
you know, eat on your own and may, let the sounds emanate with zero inhibition, like moan and groan. I have to tell you a quick story. So there's a bakery in my area and they are so fabulous. It's actually a coffee shop. And every month they have this special dessert that they've like, they often combine desserts, like a chocolate, strawberry, tiramisu. And I went and bought one. I can't remember which one it was because it was a while back and I'm eating it, eating it, eating it. And the owner comes over and says, oh, like he really cares about his, his crafts. He says, do you like it? And before I get a chance to answer, the girl next to me in the coffee shop goes, yeah, she does. Because <laughs> <laughs> I guess I was, you know, it was one of those, I'll have what she's having moments. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's great practice with food because maybe you're more comfortable letting those sounds emanate with food. But we have so many opportunities for expressing pleasure. And unfortunately, we stifle them. So maybe learn outside the bedroom and then parlay those skills into the bedroom. Yeah, I love all of that advice. And I think you're so right that a lot of times during sex, we're self-monitoring and we're feeling self-conscious about how we look, how we sound, all of these other sorts of things. And I know that this was part of my own sexual journey. You know, when I was younger, like I wanted sex to be this thing that kind of took place in a sensory deprivation chamber. I don't mean in a kinky way, but I mean in <laughs> the sense that I didn't want to hear anything because noises were very distracting. I didn't want to make noise myself because I felt self-conscious about it. I didn't mm -hmm. want the lights on, right? So, you know, everything was a distraction and it really took a long time for me to build up my own self-confidence and to kind of drop those feelings of insecurity that can allow you to be uninhibited in bed. And I know that that's a really tough thing. There isn't like one simple, easy, quick fix to this that works for everybody. But I think all of your advice is spot on that, you know, these are things you can practice on your own and then maybe translate that skill into bed with a partner. For our third sex tip, we're going to revisit episode 83, where I spoke with Dr. Jennifer Gonzalez, author of the amazing book, From Madness to Mindfulness. Let's listen in as Jen and I discuss how to overcome sexual performance anxiety and avoid spectatoring, which occurs when we mentally step outside during sex and overanalyze our own performance. Because I love when I get the chance to talk to college students about like their misconceptions of what great sex is <laughs> and what, what good sex really is. I was like, when it really you know comes down to being a good lover, like you are present with the person that's in front of you. You're not making assumptions about them. You are attuned to them. If they're, you know, in it or not in it, you care about that. <laughs> you know, consent matters. Um, but you're really like you're being organic and sensual and figuring out what specifically brings them pleasure. Like, mm, that sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I think, you know, what you said about being present is so important. And, you know, also equally crucial is that element of being creative. Being present, yes. being creative, that's really the key to yeah. great sex. So let's talk about sexual performance anxiety and insecurity for a moment. So even if you feel good about your body and your genitals, you might worry about other things during sex, such as the way you sound or what your face looks like. And sometimes we over-monitor ourselves during sex to make sure that we look and sound sexy the whole time. And when you're in this state of hypervigilance, you know, that can make it really hard to relax, to experience pleasure, and to have an orgasm. So how do you deal with this kind of insecurity and really get out of your head during sex so that you can be in the moment? Oh, you know, over the years, there's been those projects around people's O faces and like yep. what they in the height of ecstasy, what they look like. And you cannot tell if they're experiencing pleasure or pain or like they look in agony at times. Nobody looks, quote unquote, sexy, <laughs> you know, 
<laughs> so yeah, I, I mean, because I wasn't, I wasn't raised, you know, watching sexual images that much, and therefore sort of studying what people look like when they're in sexy mode. So every once in a while, it crosses my mind, and I'm like, oh, you need to get that out of your head because that is absolutely. It's self-consciousness that causes performance anxiety because we get in our heads and we get worried and we get in an anxiety loop. We're absolutely not present with pleasure that our body's feeling. We're not present with our partner emotionally. We are just in a loop of worrying about ourselves. So again, like that is a, that's a retraining of yourself through awareness and mindfulness skills of noticing that you're doing it. Nobody is there taking your picture for Instagram. So like, <laughs> let it... Let it go. And I'm pre pretty sure your partner is not like assessing whether you're looking appropriately sexy or something. That's a battle we could never win. So, I mean, and I guess if you've got like mirrors above you or something, you could be watching yourself, which then could be sexy also. But point aside, that level of self-consciousness and like self-monitoring absolutely works against desire and arousal and orgasm let alone, you know, at the core of my work is teaching folks what, what the depth of intimacy really means, which is really being open and raw and messy in all of our human beauty and messiness with another human being, allowing them to do the same, which is, which is a very vulnerable thing to do of really dropping into the moment. And if we're stuck in our heads worrying about how we're performing, how we're looking as we're performing, we're not present. And so we can't enjoy it and we can't connect with others at a deeper level, like the whole point of why you're there. Yeah. And this ties in with what Masters and Johnson called spectatoring, where you're really sort of stepping outside yourself in the moment during sex and you're analyzing your performance or how you look or how you sound and all these other things. And when sex becomes this performative thing, that can really undermine pleasure and satisfaction and make it harder to have an orgasm. For our fourth sex tip, we're going to revisit episode 93, where I spoke with sex therapist Dr. Emily Jamia, host of the Love and Libido podcast. Let's listen in as Emily and I discuss how to become more attuned to our sexual partners in the present moment. A lot of people like to play it safe when it comes to sex, and that makes sense, right? And they know based on their previous experiences what they like, what they enjoy, and then every time they have sex, they stick within those boundaries or, or limits of their previous experiences. And the idea of stepping beyond that zone can feel a little intimidating, even scary. And, you know, unfortunately, if you never step outside of that zone, you can never tap into the real excitement that comes from trying something a little bit new, trying something that may be a little bit challenging. You know, you have to learn to embrace a little bit of discomfort to be able to step outside of that comfort zone and really explore and expand your sexuality. So I'm curious, do you have any other tips that you would share just for general mindset and the way that you approach sex so that you can maximize pleasure? Yes, I have a tip and it's probably one that isn't talked about as commonly, and that is to practice high degrees of attunement. So what does that mean? That means learning to attune to your partner's cues. 
that usually starts outside the bedroom. I think we're so distracted all the time. We're overly dependent on technology that we forget that there is so much happening energetically with our partner that we're not really paying attention to um, and thereby not attuning to. Um, Cindy Meston is doing a lot of interesting research at UT right now on like physiological synchrony and sexual satisfaction. And she's got some preliminary evidence that shows that people who are couples who are really highly attuned to one another such that like their heart rates are almost in sync, um, have higher levels of sexual satisfaction. And I think one of the best ways to intensify pleasure during sex, you know, we talk so much about like sexual communication, but if you can get past that to where you don't have to talk as much and you can just like kind of know when your partner moves a certain way, what that's maybe signaling to you, that's really when sex can have that effortless feeling. You know, imagine a pair of ballroom dancers who've been dancing together for decades and how they seem to just move almost as one. I think that's what a lot of people want to experience during sex. And the way you get there is to pay close attention to nonverbal cues and shifts in energy and breath and the things that a lot of times we're kind of disconnected from these days. So that's one of my biggest tips. Love it. Get attuned with your partner. For our final sex tip, we're going to go back to episode 86 for another tip from the wonderful Joan Price. Let's listen in as Joan and I discuss why sex shouldn't be about achieving goals and instead should be about relaxing and having fun. Something you talk a lot about in your work, and you mentioned it earlier in the show, is the importance of sort of expanding your idea and definition of what sex is, because what feels good, what feels pleasurable can change over time. And the things that felt good to you in your 20s and 30s might be very different from your 40s and 50s, and that might be very different from your 60s and beyond. And so if you keep approaching sex the same way for your entire life, you might very well find that it becomes less satisfying, or maybe your partner finds it less satisfying because it's no longer working for them. So can you speak to that importance of redefining what sex is and how that can really benefit all of us, no matter where we are in our lives? So how should we think about what it means to have sex? Great question. For one thing, we take the goals out of it. And I like to think of sex as sexual expression rather than having sex. <laughs> because having sex means there's just, there's something you get, but sexual expression is something you do. Sexual expression is how you experience pleasure, what kind of sensations turn you on, communicating that with a partner. And it can be non-verbally. It could also be with moans and groans and shivers and, and movements. But to take the idea of goals, we have to have sex in this way, generally penetrative. We have to have sex with this goal. We will both have orgasms. Let's not put anything in the way of our expressing our sexuality with sensation and pleasure. Let's just have the goal be, I will experience pleasure with you. I will give you the experience of pleasure in the best way I can, going on what I know about you and what you communicate with me. And if orgasm results, 
fantastic. Now, it's very likely that if you are easily orgasmic or you have communicated this well about what you need for orgasm, that yes, orgasms will happen. But by making them the goal, then it makes some one or both of you nervous. And anxiety, nervousness, fear of not doing it right, uh, fear of not being able to respond right. Oh, oh, he's doing everything right, but isn't going to happen today. Oh, no, what do I do? Do I just, oh, no. And that just induces the flight or fight response, which takes the blood flow away from the genitals, which need all the blood flow they can get these days. So you absolutely don't want to do something that draws that blood flow away. So if instead we go, do you like it when I do this? Would you rather I did something else? Kind of having sex together and taking a lot of time for warm up because that's what we need. That's what our aging bodies need. Our sexual response is not hormone propelled in most cases. Therefore, we are not responding as quickly or as automatically. And maybe we want, a, whatever gender we are, maybe we want more full body sensations and not just go for the genitals and <laughs> pump away in one way or the other. It may be something totally different. Also explore what turns us on ahead of time. What do we need to get in the mood? What do we? What tools do we need at uh, the bedside table? We need lube. We need maybe a couple of kinds of lube. Maybe we need silicone lube for the best kind of cushioning and slickness and not having to reapply it. But if we want to use a silicone sex toy, then we've got to have water-based lube. So there are things to learn about. And if we prepare ahead of time, okay, I'm going to make sure I, I charge the sex toy I want to use. And, oh, my partner often likes this one. Let me charge this one. To, oh, what the heck? Let me charge five of them and then put them in a basket. We can have choices. Let's put out two different kinds of lube. Oh, let's not forget the flavored lube because that's really fun for fellatio. Let's have all of this here and a candle or a pretty light and maybe some um, some little towels, a cute little washcloths that are going to be used for cleanup and preparation. And what else do we need? What happens when we do that is we start doing what I like to call mental foreplay. We anticipate it's anticipatory sex. We get aroused by knowing what's going to happen. If we think back to how we used to get aroused preparing for a date when we were teenagers, we thought about it for days. We made our preparation, not the kind, same kind of preparations we're doing now because we could count on our hormones, but we did anticipate what am I going to wear? What underwear? How will I groom? How will I smell? <laughs> and, and we get ready for days, for weeks. And, and so by the time we're with this partner, we're ready to go. This happens in a different way and more slowly if we do this as seniors too, or anywhere along the way. 
Yeah. So it sounds like in terms of rethinking sex, it's about dropping the sexual scripts and yes. allowing some unpredictability and spontaneity to sort of enter the picture because you have these different options and ways for the sexual experience to go. And that can make sex all the more fun and exciting when you have those different possibilities. It's not always so predictable. So I love what you're saying there, that it's just a different mindset for thinking about sex. There aren't any goals. There's no pressure. It's about having fun and also about engaging in some exploration mutually, because sometimes we don't know what we like until we try it. And so if you're not ever trying new things, you're not really going to know what it is that works for you and your partner and your bodies now and at different stages of life. So I think that's a really great and, and handy way of thinking about things that we need to get into the mindset of doing that earlier rather than later in our relationships. It was hard to select the sex tips included in this compilation because there's been so much great sex advice shared on the show, and we've heard from so many amazing sex educators, researchers, and therapists. That said, I hope you enjoyed this sex tip roundup and that it gave you some fresh ideas for how you can change your sexual mindset and hopefully get even more pleasure out of sex. To keep up with new episodes of this podcast, visit my website, sexandpsychology, at sexandpsychology.com or subscribe on your favorite platform, where I hope you'll take a moment to rate and review the show. You can also follow me on social media for daily sex research updates. I'm on Twitter at Justin Miller and Instagram at Justin J. Miller. Also, be sure to check out my book, Tell Me What You Want, for even more tips on having better sex. Thanks again for listening. Until next time.